count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. I think being a human is just one of the most fantastic opportunities to have ever been gifted. The odds of being a human are 400 trillion to one. Now, that's insane. So if you're talking about sitting down at the game of life, the simulation that is life, and you're given a hand, you were given a hand, the odds of receiving that hand were 400 trillion to one. That's literally what you need to do to process that logistics is to say, I actually can't even comprehend how large that is. So I might as well just be optimistic. Now, here's a fact for you. This is a fact. This is a fact. All right. In a world where we're given so many non-facts today that we, in the court of public opinion, deem to be facts. Here's a real fact. Check this out. A hundred years ago. A person who has an average IQ score in today's setting of 2020 would have a 70. Their score would be a 70. 70 is within the spectrum of having a mental disability. It's borderline mental disability. Now, if you were to take the average Joe today with an IQ score, and there's many of them, I'm probably one of them. If you were to place them 100 years ago, they would have a score of 130 which is within the spectrum, within the range of gifted education, i.e. potential genius, i.e. potentially outstanding, spectacular, spectacular performing humans. Insane. Think of that contrast. Think of that yin and yang. That's insane. That's quite a large spectrum of difference. You're talking about someone who might have a borderline mental disability with somebody who is a potential gifted learner and excelled mind within the world. Not saying one is better or the other. Not saying that you can't be a happy person or not be a happy person falling under one of those two traits. But statistically speaking, the quantitative difference there is quite startling. And it's just a hundred years to think of that. And we have to think, based on the trend that's been going on with 2020, that a hundred years from now, from today, is going to feel a whole lot faster than to, than uh, 1920 to 2020, right? You know what I'm saying? That's insane. It sounds like exponential growth to me. It sounds like humans are always pushing forward. Humans are somehow able to always find a way to move forward and for us to grow and for us to get better and for us to take all this chaos that life offers us and turn it into opportunity in order that we can thrive and find success positivity and longevity and fulfill our potential in now you can focus on that on an individual basis and you can do this on your own every day you can do this every day with every step that you face you cannot lie you cannot lie to yourself you can really think about your words you can pay attention to the yin and yang of life this is a startling statistic. What is a hundred years from today going to look like? And why do you get a little scared when I ask you that question? I wonder why. That's a fascinating thing I'm asking myself. Is why am I scared to look into the future? I don't know exactly, but I'm just glad that the Grateful Dead is playing right now. <laughs> 
Oh, also, I want to thank you guys for... We have basically reached the 500 vinyl pre-order. That is literally insane to me. Uh, we got reviews in American Songwriter this week. We were on the most famous billboard in Nashville, the Nashville sign. I started busking in front of that billboard 11 years ago when I was 14 years old. And then yesterday I got a photo and it was me on the billboard. Uh, I, of course, was not busking because I, I was busy being on the billboard. But And you see, you don't even need a high IQ score to get on the billboard. Now that, that is cosmic. My next guest today is Mr. David Meltzer, co-founder of Sports One Marketing, formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency. That agency was the main inspiration for the movie, Jerry Maguire. Shout out VHS days. Come on, let's go with it. Who was there? I was there. His life's mission is to empower 1 billion people to be happy. It's a simple yet powerful mission, but it's led him on an incredible journey. He provides one thing, value. That it is that simple, it is value people. Everything David speaks on is coming from a place that is so vibrationally sound and just that it is undeniably truthful. And it's, it's words that can be written in stone that will last a million years and will apply to every moment and hour that happens between now and then. He's a true, absolute hero. I look at his content on a daily basis, several times a day. I was unbelievably surprised to get him on the podcast. He's an extremely busy man. With no further ado, Mr. David Meltzer. Okay, cool. Hey, well, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I love it, man. I'm excited. Yeah, right on. Okay, absolutely beautiful. I've been a, 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 a avid subscriber of yours for about a year now. And uh, I watch your stuff every single day and I'm always spreading the word. And uh, the whole concept of exponential growth um, in regards to something that's simply not technology, uh, you turned me on to. And my dad's uh, work, uh, worked at Oracle for a number of years and, and, and does uh, software integrations now. And so the whole concept of exponential growth has always been around my life. Uh, but for you to take it and apply it to more of a qualitative stance in life is really fascinating. Um, and I also love how you're always going about finding quantitative parameters uh, for scheduling time and defining goals and uh, having um, outcome outlooks on life. Uh, so I'll just dive right into it. Something that you said very recently was the, the brand of uh, Mickey Mouse. I'm not sure if you said this recently, but it was a content mm-hmm. that you put out. And the concept of you have these really like um, qualitative ideas. Um, so you said it, v- the vibration speed of Mickey Mouse is rather fast. And that's something I wanted to get more of an explanation on. Yeah, so everything has a frequency. Everything has a vibration. The earth vibrates the slowest, then animals, humans, sound, light, thought. And the thought that vibrates the fastest is the truth, or you could say potential vibrates the fastest. So the greatest ideas will vibrate the fastest. Uh, The greatest athletic abilities have a different vibration. You know, all of these different things. And so what gives something the staying power like a Mickey Mouse, something where you have an idea that was created without a voice, a whistling steamboat willy in black and white, but yet can have, you know, 500 million viewers on YouTube years and years later. It's because the truth vibrates the fastest. It's because when things 
come closer to their potential, that's the distinctive factor that most human beings can't understand through our basic senses and our memory. We're looking for things that are in a man-made construct. We will evaluate things by a price or by time. And we can't see uh, originally like why something will vibrate at a certain speed or resonate with so many. And now that we have you know, this extraordinary reach of the spectrum, you know, when I was your age, the reach of the spectrum was so minimal, right? I could get to stand on a stage. I just told someone the other day, it was remarkable because the same content that now reaches millions of people, people I've never met like you that have some sort of impact of hopefully empowering you to be happy and, and laying and planting seeds that I may never sit under of trees that you'll empower people. I would drive two, three hours to stand on a stage for a hundred people. <laughs> and you know, be and get paid to do so, but to empower those hundred to empower another hundred, and then I drive home two or three hours in traffic, and I'd be very satisfied with the use of my time. And I think we're learning, you know, to take for granted the acceleration, the exponential growth, and the impact that we could have in a very short amount of time. That we forget about, you know, I put up a video with Masvidal that gets two hundred fifty thousand engaged viewers, right? People that are actually listening. It's not, I'm not a dancing bear. I'm not on TikTok and entertaining people because I can do this or whatever, you know, right. talking about Carol Baskin. You know, I'm, I'm making people think qualitatively, quantitatively. I'm making them think about their actions and their kindness. Well, 250,000, do you know how many drives to Los Angeles in traffic there and back? It used to take me to get in front of that many people for 15 minutes. Okay. And so... Yeah, and that's the power. Why I use Mickey Mouse is that we have to concentrate only on one thing, the quality of our content, our vibration. Are we, number one, have a strong enough signal to the right spectrum of people with a clear message? Because it's not what I say. I was going to say, when you gave me my brief introduction, you have a clear understanding of what I think I'm teaching than any other young person I've ever met. The way that you described what I'm trying to teach. Now, that doesn't mean it's not resonating with other people. It doesn't mean that their takeaways aren't valuable. But because I have a higher frequency, that it can reach you at a different level where someone might just walk away. And I have you know thousands of people that do this. They may walk away from what I said, the things that the same things that you watch every day on me, and they say, oh yeah, Dave Meltzer changed my life. He taught me to say thank you. That's all they get, right? Very simply, hey, Dave Meltzer taught me to say thank you, or he taught me to ask, where you have taken it and reached the spectrum of the frequency to a different level that there's a variety of layers. And if you learn to read things like the Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill or Wayne Dyer, Power of Intention, or even furthermore, The Course in Miracles I've read for you know four and a half years, A Course in Miracles, it has so many layers, and I'll give you the last example, then we'll go to your next question. Yeah. There, there is three letters, two words that are an aggregate of three lever, le letters that have the most layers of anything. It has the highest frequency of anything, even more than Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I studied it in the 11th grade in, in existentialism, but it's two words. I am. Now, when I first studied Kierkegaard and existentialism and tried to explore the meaning of I am, 
I was at a very surface level. I knew there was something there. It meant something to me that, you know, I am happy or I, but today, after studying I am for over 45 years of looking at these two words, these three short letters, it has unraveled itself into so much deep meaning that I could sit not only today with you on this entire podcast discussing I am and the significance of what that means in the context of conscious, subconscious, and unconscious minds and a collective belief and a collective consciousness. It would be extraordinary how I am fits into all of those different realms, let alone how the infinity of time and the man-made constructs of time would give you a different perspective of I am. The point is, is that we all are more interested than interesting. We all are learning and that we all have a frequency and we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. So we can only be aware of the parts of Mickey Mouse that vibrates equal to or less than us. So Mickey Mouse, because it has such a high frequency, because it's such unbelievably positive content Mm. that everybody only has a certain awareness of Mickey Mouse, but because it has such a high frequency, more people have an awareness of Mickey Mouse. The 470 million people, they all see, hear, and think something differently, determined upon what frequency they're at. But because Mickey Mouse has such a high frequency, more people resonate with Mickey Mouse than, let's say, you know, South Park. Right, of course. It's more of a timeless era. You see that with bands like the Grateful Dead. They're still growing in their ticket sales, and you still see people who are nine years old who are wearing their t-shirts, loving their music. It's very fascinating to see uh, that the truth is the only thing that can perpetuate its scale. Lies cannot, and things that are based in maybe more micro, uh, small return ROI, that thing does not have the potential to carry on very long. And I've only been alive for 25 years, so I have no idea what I'm saying. So I'm just, that's why I'm reaching out and seeking counsel. Um, so that's really a beautiful, absolutely fantastic uh, observation. The I am. I just recently read a book um, by Anthony DeMeo. It's a book called Awareness. And it's a concept of, of there's a things, there's things, there's thoughts, and there's the thinker. And uh, the concept of I am very much so touches on that. So it's, it's very spectacular. Um, you mentioned the idea of the continuum of something that I've derived from all your content is I call it the continuum of conscious. And I notice how you very much so consistently have uh, phrases that you almost in a mantra-like sense repeat throughout your content that is uh, chapter-based for people who are like me. It's like, oh, I've heard that two weeks ago, but not in a way that's, uh, oh, I've heard that two weeks ago, but it's so abundant with truth. It's so fantastic to be refreshed with it. But uh, the continuum of consciousness. Uh, so you have your, uh, your subconscious activities, uh, your conscious activities, and your unconscious activities. And so there's two um, questions I'd like to um, tackle in regards to just that mentioning of the concept is the first one being sleep. Uh, you're, you look at sleep as an active activity of um, of you working on your subconscious and your unconsciousness. And can you expound on that just a little bit more? Yeah, I think it, in the realm of the conscious uh, having interference, uh, interference to what we're connected to. Let's just call it the truth. I call it, the, as you know, my mantras, I call it the light, the love, and the lessons, the most yeah. powerful source of energy and light that exists. I can just call it the truth. And let's say there's an ultimate truth out there. Well, our conscious interferes with that truth. And that's because we have certain portions of our brain. The amygdala creates fear-based emotion that will interfere with it, right? We also have in the back of our brain, the portion of our brain that has that little voice that tells us we're not good enough, that you know warns us, or the negative chatter. And of course, we have the forefront of our brain. Well, what I believe 
is that when we sleep, we are in a subconscious and unconscious state. And those portions of the brain that create interference to this truth, they're quieted. Right? That's why I meditate, right? Meditation is a quieting process. It is a activity to quiet myself. It's not trying to be quiet. It's actually learning and practicing to quiet myself, to lessen the interference so that the truth or this awareness will come to me to make my life easy. Uh, to, for example, forgiveness is one of the great truths that I teach, as you know, gratitude, another accountability, another. Why is forgiveness so important? Because forgiveness is the means by which we undo the untruths. What does that mean? Forgiveness is one of the means in which we quiet the interference. And forgiveness is allowance while we're sleeping of the truth or the awareness to come through us so that hopefully it will stick to us through repetition, which is how our system works. I truly believe. I know a lot of doctors believe. You talk about my repetition of mantras, et cetera, and how that although it might annoy somebody uh, to that repetitive nature, that if it's resonating with you, it's reinforcing, it actually feels good. That's why I literally have listened to The Power of Intention a thousand times by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I've heard him say the same phrases and mantras and things that I've amalgamated and aggregated into my own being. But it makes me feel good, just like it makes me feel good to watch a movie like Rocky 150 times or listen to my favorite song. If we weren't in that conscious, subconscious, and unconscious continuum where repetition was so important, we wouldn't enjoy listening to the same song again, right? So certain songs make us feel a certain way. And when they come on, you get excited, right? If you haven't heard a song in a while, you know, maybe it's a Bob Marley song or something that you haven't heard in a while, it actually, you light up and you feel good and you smile and you're like, oh, I love this song. Well, you heard it before. Why do you love it? Why would you want to hear it again? That's why everything is a vibration or a frequency. And whether you're on the giving or receiving side of that, it's so important to know that the truth is vibrating at a certain frequency or the potential that you have of articulating the truth. And it's important to keep repeating it whether you're on the receiving or listening side, just the same as negative energy, which is so important today with the compressed time of uncertainty that we're in, the acceleration of growth. Too many people are inundating themselves with interference and corrosion with negative, negative energy, right? They're focusing in on, especially today in the politics or in our own, you know, racial tensions that we have and socioeconomic biases that we have. It's creating a negative inundation. Why would you want to, you know, if it hurts you to hit your forehead, why would you keep hitting your forehead? I don't understand, yeah. right? And that's what people do with negative energy. Uh, you can seek stable data, information, but you don't have to give it the meaning that you don't want it to have. But we can find out how many people are dying of COVID, but we don't not need to have that number shouting us in the face all day long. We can go seek it at the end of the day and say, gosh, I want to make these decisions in my life to help reduce the amount of people that are going to the hospital or that are dying, right? I can make that decision without all day long looking and saying, oh my God, 134,366 people are dead. Oh my God, 134,365, 67, right? This is what people are doing. And then they wonder why they're manifesting or getting more of what they don't want in their life, why they have more interference and corrosion to that unbelievable source of happiness that they're always connected to. And that leads me to a really beautiful perspective that you have here, which is uh, fortunately... Of people in my age, we have a great wealth of 
exponential amounts of data and, and content that is always growing and always uh, creating new content based upon itself. And I discovered the secret at a very young age. I was 16. And so I was still at an age in my life where I um, uh, thought I was right about a lot of things. And so I just had my mind made up that this was a way to go and live life. And there's a lot of positive return to be had on looking at life that way. But there's also a little bit of woohoo. Uh, if you think the parking spot's going to be there for you, probably it's going to be there. And it's like, well, life might prove to you they might be wrong about those concepts. But something that you've done, which is, uh, which seems to be the thing of any of anyone who wears a badge of a certain truth, is um, over time they find quantitative ways to actually explain why that that is a good pattern to repeat in your life. And the way that I've seen that manifest in your dialogue is um, you talking about the difference between intention and attention right and so intention correct me if i'm wrong here being uh the activity in that you actually set forth to go and make things happen in your life based on the things that you're focusing on is that correct yeah so uh, attention is what we focus in on right so you might create a vision board and dream about something or stare at something where uh, intention is different it's the aggregate of not only what we think but what we say what we do, what we believe, even our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions are all aggregated into our intention. And when you realize that everything in your life is intended, and then on top of intending everything in your life, meaning you're accountable for it, you give meaning to everything you've intended. So not only are you intending everything that is around you, people, places, things, et cetera, but you've given meaning to everything that you've intended. And we have the power to intend different things, better things, more things, less things. We also have the power to give those things, the materialization of our ideas, meaning. And what I try to teach people is what meaning do you wanna give what you see, what you project, what you intend. And that's a key lesson in life about being happy is why not give it the most positive, productive, accessible, and gracious meaning as possible that would give an abundant, universal attitude, a a collective consciousness of happiness, of abundance, of more than enough of everything for everyone. You can look upon anything, anyone, any place, anywhere in an abundant way, and it is abundant. Or you could look as a victim in a world of not enough, no matter what. I I have friends who have $40 million homes and they live in a world of not enough. That's the meaning that they've given to what they see. There's always more. What they have is because somebody else doesn't have it, right? Everything is a trade. There's so many different meanings that we give things, but the truth is you intend everything around you and you give meaning to it. Nobody else. And that's the ultimate act of uh, the awareness of of responsibility and ownership that uh, people of my generation have, I, it seems to have a harder time of, of owning up to. And, and, and so something that I, I wanted to do just to provide value for the listeners is um, I, I've, in this time of COVID, I've given hundreds of sessions with other musicians. And the thing that they're always terrified of that they can't quite separate themselves from themselves enough to do is to actually create a schedule and a, um, a routine uh, that builds habits and something that actually establishes positive behaviors and intention based on the metrics that you speak on regularly. Because these are bulletproof concepts in theory. But day 17, when somebody is trying to keep on reiterating these concepts and doing that, that's when things get foggy and that's when people tend to fall off habits. Um, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, before, before I 
go to this other question is uh you mentioned meditation and i, I heard that you met you used uh i don't know if you still do but you woke up insanely early something at like 4 a.m and Four every day so that is a time where in books that i've read there's a book called cosmic music where they talk about the earth literally is vibrating at its most equal um its most equal vibration or something of that i don't want to i don't want to talk out of my ass acting like i know what i'm saying but yeah um, is that, I don't know if you arrived at that piece of data or did you find that just based off your own intuition, that 4am, that key? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I think it was inherited in my quantum being that somewhere within me in the context of what I've inherited from generations or from lifetimes that I knew that more quiet time, that more peaceful time, it was affirmed by the practice of waking up at 4 a.m. and meditating for 20 minutes uh, and learning and studying as I do for the last 14 years, theta meditation, T-H-E-T-A meditation, as well as quantum healing, which is a vibrational meditation for that quieting, for that flow that's necessity, uh, necessity for awareness to elevate not just my cellular structure and its vibration, but my whole core being and its vibration to elevate my awareness so that things become simpler. And uh, I do, I believe that uh, a routine is a habit machine. Uh, a lot of people don't get that, but a routine is a habit machine. So instead of focusing in on the habit, focus in on the machine. And so I've created a machine that from taking inventory of your values to asking and attracting, studying your calendar, doing it now and practicing ending fear, that my routine, right. adaptable or set, is the habit machine. So therefore, if I want to diet, all I got to do is put it in the habit machine and I'll lose weight. If I want to work out, I just got to put it in the habit machine. So I've spent years focusing on creating a habit machine, not worrying about the habit, right? So what is that process that I can create a new being, actually a quantum memory within the context of doing things consciously, practicing things subconsciously, changing my unconscious competency, my own being, my quantum memory, so that I live a life of a new being by what? A routine that creates a habit machine, which allows me to change what I want out of life. The what is so much more important than the why. Oh, wow. Absolutely. The what is so much more important than the why. There's power in the what because there's intention in the what because you can move forward from that. Wow. Insane. How is it that you can stay on top with perspective of truth and not find yourself being diluted by materialistic goals or short-sighted returns? And obviously you have a great tenure in practicing this, so you might have more of an efficiency on doing so. But for people who are find themselves getting sidetracked after they have the great um, the, the great the magnetic force of being, man, I just saw this show and it really inspired me. I just saw this, I saw a movie, it really inspired me. I just heard David talk, it really inspired me. How did that you stay on top of those? And obviously you do so with, with the habit machine, right? Um, but are there any practices that you do on a daily basis to reiterate goals in your life or, and things of that nature? Yeah, the practice of math. Uh, I know that might sound silly, but oh, I believe real. everything's technological and mathematically driven. I know you're a music person, so you're probably feeling what I'm saying. But for me, I started looking at things and you know, having gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability in my actions, knowing that there's a practice of inspiration. There's a practice of effective communication. There's a practice of what you're talking about, meaning that it may take me you know, this much time, a week, a month, a year, in order to get back to that inspired state again. But my math is focused in on how quickly can I get back to that inspired state? 
And so I found over, especially in the 14 years that I've been doing this, that some things, and it varies by how and what frequency things are inherent in my being, some things took me years in order to, to get back to an inspired state, to the truth. Really? Other things, it took months, and other things, it took weeks, and other things, it took days, and then it took you know some things, minutes, and some things are moments. And I think even at in your 20s, you can uh, see in your lifetime that there's some things that have bugged the shit out of you for years. Oh, there's yeah. some things for weeks, days, months, moments, and it just depends on who you are. Some things that bug you for moments bug other people for years. They can't let it go. And so... What the practice that you're suggesting is, can I improve, right? Progress, not perfection. Can I improve so that the things that take me years now take me months? And maybe the things that take me months will take me weeks and the weeks become days and the days become hours and the hours become minutes and the minutes become moments. So over the 14 years for me, there's very few things that can take me in an accelerated ego-based consciousness and an accelerated interference corrosion and a shortage void and obstacle creation in my life more than minutes or moments because I've identified them, I've practiced them, I've challenged myself in that habit machine to say, you know what, this bugs me, I know it's still bugging me, but I'm not gonna let it bug me for as long as it has, right? And next time something like this happens, it's gonna bug me less and next time less. And pretty soon everything starts compressing so that I'm living a majority of my life at center, at peace, at my highest frequency. The biggest problem with most people is they live without these habits, right? They live without a habit machine. So what does that in effect do to us? It's living the myth of Sisyphus. They push a boulder up a hill all day long. They call it work and they push it up all day long. And then when they wake up the next morning, it's at the bottom of the hill. What meditation and awareness, the things that we're discussing today allow us to do is simply to plateau and grow, to create a baseline in our life where I have activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. I institute the law of Goya. I get off my ass every day and aggregate my attention and intention into the coincidences I want. But at the end of the day, because I have a wind down routine and I sleep and meditate in the morning, I plateau and grow right? I plateau and grow. I don't allow the boulder to roll back down. Plateau and grow. So my father calls that staying below 50%. So beautiful. May I ask what your wind down routine is and, and how long is it? And another thing, how do you, time seems to be this, this asset that we're given that allows us to make quantitative sense out of this incredibly abstract series of chaos that is life at, at times. And it's a tool that we can use. So I wanted to know just how, 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 um, how do you spend time? Is it to the minute, your calendar? Um, so, I mean, that's, you know. That's a great question. So for, for me, you know, first of all, I'll tell you about the routine that will lead to the uh, winding down routine. So first of all, I believe everyone needs two routines. Because of the chaotic nature and the randomness of the universe and the multivariables of the universe, that if you want to make the universe laugh at you or God laugh at you, come up with a well-developed plan. I promise you, it'll be chaotic. So I have two routines, a set routine, and then if things occur in the universe that don't allow me to have my set routine, I quickly move to an adaptable routine, which is value-based. Adaptable routine is really simple. First priority in my life is a minimum of an hour a day on my health. So no matter what, I spend that hour. The next is a minimum of 30 minutes with my wife, 30 minutes with my 10-year-old, two minutes with my three teenage daughters, one minute with my mom. Then the next is a minimum of 10 minutes a day studying my calendar, paying attention and giving attention to what I have planned, what I don't have planned, and my sleep. 
my normal set routine is to wake up at 4 a.m., meditate for 20 minutes, get ready for 10, go to the gym for one hour from 4.30 to 5.30. I turn everything off from 5.30 to 6.30, and I call that research time. Uh, so these are all variables. I research and study my calendar, maybe interviews, books. I learn, right? I, I'm more interested than interesting. 6.30 to 7.30 is family time. And so I spend strictly 6.30 to 7.30 with my family to accomplish those adaptable routine goals that I have to spend time with them. And then 7.30 until 8 is executive coaching. And then 8 o'clock, I execute on being a student in my calendar. Now, the student in my calendar is based off of my values, which I take inventory every day on, personal, experiential, giving, and receiving. So although it may seem that from 8 o'clock until 4.45 in the day that I have every minute programmed, I don't. I'm just studying and paying attention to activity I want to get paid for and activity I don't. The result is extremely productive life, meaning a lot of value being provided, an extremely accessible life where I'm accessible to others much more than most people and I'm capable of accessing what I want. And even furthermore, the study of sleep allows me to regenerate, rejuvenate, and clear the connection to the most powerful source of light, love, and lessons, which allows me to have more efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success in what I do. But I'm not planning every single minute. I'm just paying attention and giving intention to what I have planned, what I don't have planned in my sleep. Now, 4.45, I do more coaching calls till 5.30. 5.30 to 7.30, everything goes off and it's all family time again. 7.30 to 9 is research time again and or amalgamated family time, but, but I'm not off. I, I don't have a requirement that everything's off, right? And then nine o'clock is my wind down routine. So just like it's important to warm down after you had a race, of right? Very important to stretch afterwards and to breathe and to drink water. So I think a lot of people don't take sleep seriously. They don't realize it's the number one habit we all share. They don't realize the power of the conscious being out of our own way. These parts of your brain that cause interference being shut down automatically. So what I do in a wind down routine is I put my mind, body, and soul at rest. I don't do things to elevate, aggravate, or agitate my mind, body, and soul, right? Everything that I do during a wind down routine is to wind down my mind, wind down my body, wind down my soul. So I now just allow the incredible power of the universe to come through me for those hours. And by doing so, my wind down routine has an objective to make sure that I am completely out. I pass out. I don't go to sleep by 11 o'clock at the latest. Because every day if I wind down or pass out before 11, I'm guaranteed to wake up at four, which is that now the plateau and grow time back on schedule, et cetera. And I'll live that life if I, you know, it's all Pacific time based. So if I go to New York, it's 7 a.m. And if I go to Europe, it's 9 a.m. I, I squeeze an hour out of that. If I go to Asia, I can flip it backwards and still stay on the same plane. Um, so, you know, th this routine, I know the biggest fear that I have when I talk about this is people think it's so regimented and so anal and OCD and like every minute's plan, but it's not. It's not. It's just a framework in which to live a freer, more productive, accessible, and gracious life. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's absolutely astounding. Well, hey, thank you so much for this time today. I could ask a million more questions. So that means the absolute world. Thank you for giving uh, uh, 30 minutes uh, to the podcast. It means the absolute world. You're a big inspiration to me. 
Uh, will you do me a favor and uh, go live with me on Instagram sometime? I would love that. Absolutely. I'd love to have a conversation that you and I could share with everyone live. Yeah, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I'd love that. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. This is a great interview and anything I can ever do, all you got to do is reach out, okay? Thank you very much, David and David's team. Thank you, guys. People that speak from a place of truth, with truth that was distilled from life experience, awareness, and thought and intention to better themselves as a person. People who speak, speak from that higher plane. That is beautiful, and I think that's what we need in this world right now because those voices do not seem to be loud enough. It's an extreme honor to be able to talk to David, even if it was only for 30 minutes, which is a long time, but still. I could talk to that guy for hours. I listened to this interview uh, twice uh, since then. It's absolutely just fantastic. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Go turn yourself on to what David is doing in the community that is around him. It will increase your efficiency of your mind. You could always stand to do that. It's like a software upgrade for your thoughts. <laughs> What's the music we're listening to today, right? We're listening to, right now, presently, The Train That Carried My Girl From Town, Mr. Doc Watson. Uh, what we were listening to before was Keep On The Sunny Side, a little optimistic message from the Oprah The Where Art Thou soundtrack. And before that, we were listening to the infamous Sunshine, Sunshine Daydream show from the Grateful Dead, uh, Veneta, Oregon, 1972. The song was Bertha, which we start off every Cosmic Country show with. Um, we just did a Cosmic Country full light show, full band production. We got like Fish's lighting crew that came in. Keith Urban's video crew came and captured it multicam. That is actually available for purchase. You guys go check it out. It's two hours long. And it's to commemorate the release. It's a release party show for co the Cosmic Country album, A Young Man's Country, which was produced by Robin Ford. That came out on my own label, Cosmic Country Music. <laughs> it just came out August 7th. Will you guys please go check it out. We have a whole new line of merch, everything made in America, everything really well-designed, well-made, really out-there graphics that are just so unique and beautiful. Um, make sure to follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Patreon. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook. What's Instagram doing now? Facebook Reels? Yeah, I got some guitar licks on there. Go check me out on Facebook Reels. Check me out on Twitch. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a comment so I can sell out to Spotify one day and move to Montana and buy a Cybertruck. I'm still going to talk to you guys. I'm just going to be living in Montana driving a Cybertruck. All right. Stay positive and stay cosmic.